I've entitled the message for this morning, New Year, Same God. You can turn to 2 Kings chapter 2 as we'll begin and you'll be able to follow along on the screen or in your pew Bible, 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a moment. I thought about giving some statistics this morning on New Year's resolutions and uh, I figured you've probably heard those many, many times, and I could summarize it by telling you most people do not keep their New Year's resolutions, okay? That is the summary statement for the opening illustration of statistics regarding New Year's resolutions. But let me just encourage you with something. If you have New Year's resolutions, that's great. I encourage you to stick with it. Keep at it. I'm sure you have some. Uh, if you don't, that's Okay. Uh, but what I would like to do this morning is not give you any New Year's resolutions about weight loss or weight gain or diets or exercise or anything like that. Uh, what I would like to do is share with you, church, this morning three truths regarding our great God that in turn will allow us hopefully to commit to three resolutions for the new year as we serve him and as we make him known. One of the problems with New Year's resolutions is sometimes people get very bold in their resolutions. Uh, sometimes people will have a resolution and they'll say, listen, I'm going to exercise more in the year that is upon us. And so the statement might be, my New Year's resolution is to exercise every day for three hours, all 365 days in the coming year. And day one, it's like, didn't do that, right? And it's, it's broken, uh, or sometimes it may be, I'm going to eat nothing that is bad for me this year. And, uh, and that's, that, that's the statement. And that's a really hard statement to measure because who considers what is bad and what is, what is good? And, and maybe it's something in your walk with Christ where you make a commitment that you're going to read the Bible every single day in the new year. And you look back on the past year and it didn't happen at all. And it's a great resolution to make that you want to read the Bible in the coming year and to say I'm going to start with every day for an hour a day reading scripture. A lot of times there becomes discouragement because we set standards or set goals that we don't really think through and measure. Can I do this and how will I do this? And a plan needs to be in place. And sometimes there's not the will that's there to do it and there's not the drive to do it. And, and so resolutions can just fall by the wayside very quickly. This morning, what I'd like to do is give us three general resolutions for the new year, but I would like you to personally make them more specific when you go from here, okay? Because it's going to look different for you than it might be for me on how we go about exercising these resolutions. And the reason I'm giving these resolutions is because these resolutions are not anything that should already not be present in the life of us, you and I as believers in Christ. But maybe we can do better this year when it comes to our walk with the Lord and putting into practice these resolutions. And again, these resolutions will be based upon three truths that we'll see today about our God. So 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, we'll read. I want to begin, though, as we look at 2 Kings chapter 2, just by reading verses 1 through 12. It's going to be on the screen, page 307 in your pew Bible, if you want to grab one of those. But follow along, 2 Kings chapter 2, we're just going to read verses 1 through 12 as we begin. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. 
But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. Now, I'd like us to look at this passage this morning. And in looking at it, be reminded of three truths concerning our God. And as a result of those three truths, look at three applications or resolutions that I would like us to consider for the new year. Truth number one, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Just contextually to set this context for you in 2 Kings chapter 2, many of you maybe have never read 2 Kings and maybe you've never heard this particular portion of God's word before. Elijah was a great prophet of God in Israel and Elijah would be known as the greatest prophet and Elijah's earthly ministry, the time that he had on this earth as a prophet of God was coming to a point of end. God had revealed earlier on in the book of 1 Kings that Elisha would take over for Elijah as a prophet of God. And so Elisha was learning from Elijah. Elijah was doing this great work of God. He was a prophet of God. He was performing different miracles and doing mighty things. And Elisha was his protege. And the time had come here in 2 Kings chapter 2 where Elijah was going to be taken off this earth into heaven by the Lord. His ministry was coming to a point of end and Elisha was following in his footsteps. And I love this portion of God's word for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I love this portion of God's word is because we see in chapter two, the orchestration of God's plan that had been clearly revealed. God had already made it known in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 that Elisha would take over. He made that known. 
that Elijah, Elijah would be taken, Elijah would take over. But in chapter 2, this entire passage, these 12 verses that we've already read, you see sprinkled throughout these verses the knowledge or understanding of God's plan that was at work and that was being executed. It's very similar to what we saw last week on Christmas morning where God had this precise plan for the coming of his son. And we see again, God always has a plan here. Always has a plan. Uh, If you look at verse 1 again, it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, this was God's plan unfolding. God's plan was unfolding precisely as he had planned it. And what we read following this is the unfolding of that plan. If you look at verse 3, it says that as they were going about, they went down to Bethel, the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? They're proclaiming to Elisha something that it sounds like in the passage he didn't necessarily want to hear. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they're proclaiming to him, do you know today the Lord is taking your master from you? Elijah is going to be taken up today. They're proclaiming this. They understood and and knew this was the plan of God. Verse 5, the same thing happens. They're traveling into another area and the sons of the prophets that are there and they're coming out and they tell Elijah again, do you know today that your master is going to be taken from you? Elijah is going to be taken up from you and, and Elisha knows it. He says, yes, I know it, right? He says, yes, I know it. And I thought, man, these guys are kind of annoying. Like when you read this passage, this is a tough time for Elisha, obviously, where he's going to be losing uh, what he would consider to be a spiritual father to him and someone that he's learned from that he loves dearly and cares for dearly. And he knows their time is short that they have together. And as they're going about ministering and Elijah's following where God is leading him, you got these guys that are kind of like following along as well. And you're like, you know, today he's going to be taken from you. And he's like, I know it. Keep quiet. I know it. Keep quiet. But, but the understanding that you see here is that God had a plan here and they knew that plan. They understood that God had a plan. They all understood that. God always has a plan. And sometimes it's not always in line with our plans. Sometimes the timing of God isn't what we would want the timing of God to be if it were up to us. Sometimes the way that God is going to accomplish something or who it is that God is going to use or how God is going to bring about his plan isn't always what we would want or what we would do or what we would think is best. But we need to understand how valuable and important this truth is as we step into a new year. Understand that every day that you live in this new year, that the God that you serve, the all-powerful, sovereign, holy God that you serve and know, he has a perfect plan. And he can be trusted in that. He can be trusted in that. As you look back at this past year, I'm sure all of us can share something that we either experienced, faced, or went up against that was not in our plans. Hardship, loss, circumstances that we would have never asked for. And yet, as we enter into a new year, I hope you can see, as I have seen, the faithfulness of God and how God has been at work. Sometimes God can take these situations and circumstances that we didn't plan on and and that we didn't expect and we find ourselves sometimes weeks, sometimes months, and maybe even sometimes years later looking back and thinking, wow, look what God was doing all along. And I'm sure many of you have testimonies you can share about that. But sometimes in the middle of it, we don't always see that, do we? 
In the middle of it, sometimes when things happen that are outside of our control, it brings about panic, worry, fear, anxieties, brokenness. And we wait on the Lord and, and, and to see what is God doing and how will God work. And so often God brings us out of that and we see, wow, this is what God has done. Uh, just over 20 years ago when my wife and I were married, we had a beautiful ceremony at the church uh, that I had attended there, and her dad had part of the ceremony, and, and um, it was just an, a great ceremony uh, for our, our wedding. And following the wedding, we had a massive wedding because I, I have a large family, and it's one of the shots that do with birth and went through to present day, as far as the memories uh, with Shoshana. But it was, it was over an hour long, the ceremony. And, uh, and we had like the unity candles in the back. They used to have the two unity candles that you would light the middle candle with. They were burned down to almost nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, it, was, it was just a long ceremony. But during the course of the ceremony, I don't know how it happened, but the limousine uh, apparently was either like not turned off all the way or whatever, and it was dead. And so as we're finishing up the pictures and stuff like that, I go out into the foyer area and I see the limousine with the, the hood open and jumper cables and someone with their car. And as I went out there, the first thought that crossed my mind was like, do not let my wife see that happening right now, right? Because it was like a terrible situation. You had the limousine out front. It needed to be jumped. We already were worried the church was going to burn down because of the candles that were being, you know, all the way down. We would find out later on when we got to our reception venue, which just was in the end of June, we had like 350 people packed into this reception hall and the air conditioning went when we were there. So um, a lot of good things happened on our wedding day uh, as far as that we didn't plan on. But, but all this, these things happen and, and one of the things that stands out to me that you would say, I never would have planned to have a limousine that was there that needed to be jumped because it was dead. But at the time that was a stressful moment. And I know it's not that big of a deal, but at that time it was stressful for me. And I didn't want my wife to see that. And I didn't want, you know, and some people were like, oh, it's a sign of things to come. I didn't believe that. But, but at the same time, but at the same time, I didn't want it to be seen. And so in that moment, it was terrible. In that moment, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, Lord, please help this limousine work. And then the air conditioning went out, all these things. But you know what we have at our house? We have a picture at our house that here we are 20 years later. We have this picture that's framed. And the picture is of the limousine with the, the hood open, someone standing there with jumper cables, me standing there like this, and my wife with her bouquet like this, looking at the camera. It's a fantastic picture. And we look back on it, and whenever we look at that picture, we're like, do you remember when that limousine... In that moment, I was like, this is going to be great, honey. 20 years from now, you're going to love the fact that this happened. We weren't thinking that way. But... Years later, we can look back on something like that and say, well, this was just a great moment that we can reminisce about and remember. Doesn't our God work in ways like that in our lives when it comes to the more serious moments of our lives? That God, in orchestrating and carrying out his perfect plan, sometimes doesn't always do things the way we think they should be done. And sometimes we don't know what to think or what to expect. And sometimes we can sit back and look and think, God, I, I have no idea what you are doing or why you're doing it this way. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months, and sometimes it's years later. We look back and say, wow, that is what God was doing all along. Because God had a plan 
And I just didn't see it time. But he was at work as he always is. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes we don't always understand and know what or why God is doing what he's doing, but that's okay because you and I are not God, he is. And our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts so often. But in the midst of all of this, we understand that God always has a plan. I think there's some great connection points here for us as human beings with Elisha's response to the knowledge and understanding that Elijah, his master, would be taken from him. And both times in verses 3 and verse 5 when he's told, hey, your master's going to be taken, your master's going to be taken, his response is, yes, I know, keep quiet. I don't know how he said it. I don't know what kind of emphasis there was. I don't know if there was frustration. I don't know if there was kind of like, I know, I don't want to hear it anymore. But clearly he wasn't thrilled about that. Yes, I know, keep quiet. Yes, I know, keep quiet. And sometimes when we trust God and we recognize the plan of God, we need to be okay with that even if it's not what we want. We have to be okay with that. And you know, when we're okay with that and we're embracing that and we're trusting him in that, we see God do great things. We see God show up in ways that we couldn't even imagine. So here is where we go to this idea of a resolution or application, if you will. God will be faithful in the year ahead as he has been faithful in the year that has now passed. So trust him. God will be faithful in the year ahead as he has been faithful in the year that has now passed. The resolution is this. Trust him. This is not a blind trust. It's trust based upon facts. It's trust based upon certainty. It's trust that is based upon the character, integrity, and track record of our great God. God always has a plan. His plans are always perfect. His plans are altogether right. His plans are better and higher than our plans. His plans are based upon his infinite knowledge and not our finite knowledge. His infinite power and not our finite power and are carried out with his infinite power and his infinite wisdom. So if the plans of God are orchestrated at the hand of an omnipotent, omniscient, ever-present God, and it's at the hands of an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an eternal God, can't his plans be trusted more than our plans? And shouldn't his plans be desired more than our plans? God will be faithful in the year ahead as he has been faithful in the year that has now passed, so trust him this year. Now, let's get more specific for your own life, my own life. I don't know what this might be specifically, but what area or areas, as you look back at the year that has passed and you look ahead at the year that is ahead, what area or areas do you personally need to trust him in or with more? What areas? In your relationships, with your families, in finances, in your work, in your relationship in general with him, with your health, what specifically are the areas that in the year 2023 you would say, clearly God wants me to trust him more in these areas than I did in 2022? Whatever that may be, write that down. 
Type that out. Lock it in. The year 2023, God, because you are faithful and you always have a plan, I am going to trust you greater in these areas of my life. Start there. Start there. Number two, God always equips those whom he sends. God always equips those whom he sends. Look at verses 6 to 8 again. This passage is pretty incredible, by the way. If you've not read it, um, it's remarkable things that happen in this passage. Look at verses 6 to 8. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other to the two of them could go over on dry ground. We read through this passage and just kind of like breeze through that more like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Do you see what just happened here? Elijah and Elisha are going over, and they need to cross over the Jordan. And so most, like, normal people will be like, hey, find a boat. Right? They Like, get a boat over here. No, Elijah instead <laughs> takes his cloak, verse 8, rolls it up, and strikes the water, and it parts, and they walk over on dry ground. God fully equips those whom he sends. I hope you understand and know, as I'm sure you do, this is not the power of Elijah parting that Jordan. This is the power of God. It's not that he had a magic cape that he could just take off whatever he wanted to and do whatever he wanted to with it. This is the power of God that was with Elijah that allowed him to do this. This is incredible. If you're not reacting to this like, wow, that's incredible, something's wrong. Because that's incredible. The power of God that's on display here. But here's what I find is even more incredible maybe than what he did. Is that Elisha and the people around don't even act like that was anything special to see. That's what's crazy about this. Is we don't read in the passage that Elisha was like dumbfounded, like, I can't move because I can't believe what I just witnessed here. No, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? We had to cross over the Jordan. Someone get a boat. No, you don't need a boat. Elijah, take off your cloak and just do the thing and walk over the water. That's what he did here. And they go walking. They go walking across, it says, on dry ground. They go walking across. This is the power of God. God equipping those whom he sends. Look at verses 9 and 10. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Elisha is asking for this blessing from Elijah that he would be able to continue to carry out the work that Elijah was doing and the supernatural ability that Elijah had to do these things. He said, let a double portion of of your blessing, of your spirit, be on me. In, in, in Israel, when there would be a, 
uh, a passing on of generation. When a father would pass, he would give a double portion to his firstborn son. He would, he would bless him in that way. And, and Elisha is asking Elijah for this. He says, let a double portion be on me. It's not that he's literally saying, I want twice of your spirit. He's saying, I want this in even a greater abundance, the, the blessing and the power and the authority that you have as a prophet of God, that this would continue with me and that I would be able to serve God in this way. And Elijah recognizes this. And Elisha is asking, because Elisha knows he can't do it. And he knows that Elijah, on his own, could not do it. And Elijah recognizes, because Elijah says, verse 10, you have asked a hard thing. He can't. Elijah's like, I can't do that for you. But he knows the Lord can. And so what is it Elijah says? If you are with me when I'm taken from you, if you see me, it will be so. In other words, this is something God has to do. And if God allows for you to be there when I'm taken from you, that is confirmation as you see me that God is equipping and, 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 and empowering you in this way. You see, both of these men had a clear understanding and recognition that on their own they could do nothing. But in the power of God, man, they could take off their cloak and strike the Jordan and part it and walk on dry ground. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Elijah and Elisha were just men, men who sinned and men who needed a savior. We see the power of God as he equipped them to fulfill the work that he called them to do. We see it on full display with Elijah's life in so many situations. You can read so many stories of Elijah. Do a study on Elijah in the Old Testament. Listen, if you don't read the scriptures and you don't know the Old Testament scriptures and read it, you're missing out. You need to read the Old Testament. I imagine it wasn't the first time that Elisha saw Elijah do this. It strikes me that after Elisha witnessed Elijah doing this, and then Elijah asks Elisha, what can I do for you? Elisha wasn't like, let me do the cloak thing. Like he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't so enthralled with that one miracle. Can you imagine just seeing that, and after seeing someone do that, and they're like, hey, what do you want me to be able to do for you? I want to be able to do that. Like He didn't ask that. He wanted empowerment that only God could give. He wanted to be able to go in that same spirit and with that same authority and with that same power. God fully equips those whom he sends. You know you can take confidence and courage today that whatever it is God has called you to do in serving him and being obedient to his word, you will have all that you need to do just that. Following Christmas, we had a desk that I had to put together for my daughter. My parents bought my daughter a desk and a chair and much to my chagrin, when she opened her gift, it was still in the box. It wasn't put together. And I thought about making a, like a rule that you cannot buy furniture for any of the children unless you put it together. Because I bought that, brought that thing home, and it's day after Christmas, and I open the box up, and I lay out all the pieces, and I almost snap pictures of it to send to my parents, like, thanks, mom and dad. Like, I didn't do that, though. And I'm getting ready to put this whole thing together, and I'm looking at everything I need. And they had the Allen wrench in there, you know, for the for the different pieces, uh, but the one thing they didn't include in the box was a Phillips head screwdriver. Now, I have screwdrivers. I never know where they are, but I have screwdrivers, 
And, and I needed a Phillips head screwdriver. And as I'm looking at all the pieces, and I was frustrated because there's so many pieces. And the instructions were like so confusing on putting this thing together. And, and I needed a screwdriver. And I remember thinking I was there. I'm like, how could they give you all of this stuff and not put a screwdriver in? Like I was like upset because I'm like, they give you all the screws. They give you all the pieces. They've included an Allen wrench, but no screwdriver. They can't include everything. Like I was like all frustrated over this. Have you ever been there where, where you've put something together or you followed something precisely and someone left something out that you needed? Just one thing. If you go drive through and you get some like chicken tenders and you want a barbecue sauce and there's no barbecue sauce. <laughs> and you're left with chicken tenders and no barbecue sauce. You're putting together a desk and you need one more thing to finish it and someone left it out. Those things frustrate me, okay? Those things frustrate me. There's all kinds of memes that go around about you had one job. You ever seen those memes where it's like that you had one job? Someone who's painting the road and it shows that there's like a rock on the road and so it goes like this because someone didn't want to move the rock out of the way, right? There's always that one thing that's left out that leaves us frustrated, wanting, or lacking. Do you understand, church, that that is never the case with God? He has never called you and I to do or accomplish anything that he does not fully equip and provide for us to do. There is never a time that you and I can stand in frustration before God and say, God, you wanted me to do this, but you have not given me what I need to do it. Every time he does. Every time. He is always precisely correct in everything that he does. How then... How then could we do anything but serve him? How then could we do anything but serve him? Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews is asking for this. Think of this blessing. May the God of peace who brought you again, or I'm sorry, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God will provide and equip you for whatever it is he calls you to do, so serve him this year. Resolution for 2023, serve him. Again, this, is, this isn't blind service. It's not service that is based upon nothing. It's service that's based upon fact, that God has equipped you. If you are a child of God, if you have a relationship with Christ today, God has equipped you. He has given you spiritual gifts or spiritual gift to be used for him. So serve him. Get more specific at your seat. Get more specific where you sit today. Don't generically just say, okay, new year. New year, same God. I'm going to trust him, just generally speaking. No, specifically, where does God want you to trust him this year? Where you've not trusted him in the past. Specifically, not just serve him, but where does God want you to serve him this year that you haven't specifically been faithfully serving him in the past? God will provide and equip you for whatever he calls you to do. Where is God calling you to serve? 
Does God want you on a missions trip this year? Is God calling you to serve him in missions? Does God want you in ministry in some capacity? Does God want you to be a faithful witness in serving him at your place of work? That when conversations happen in the office and people ask you, why do you go to church? As a servant of the Most High God, you say, I go to church because I serve the Most High God. I have a relationship with Christ. I worship him. When opportunities come when you're at school, students, with classmates or teachers, when you're in your home with your family, where specifically does God want you to be more faithfully serving him? Know that wherever that is, he fully equips you to serve him in the capacity he's called you to serve. He can be trusted in that. So serve him. we got to hurry. Number three, God's power is not limited, nor does it expire. God's power is not limited, nor does it expire. Look at verses 11 through 13. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This is the power of God on full display. God's power is not limited, nor does it expire. Again, no big deal here. Chariots of fire, horses of fire from heaven. A whirlwind takes Elijah up to heaven in the sight of Elisha. And Elijah, you know, Elisha kind of responds with, My father, my father. It's a term there of endearment and authority that Elijah had in his life and he's and he says my father my father and and he talks about the chariots of Israel and its horsemen he saw them no more and they go and it says Elisha took up his own clothes and tore them in pieces it's the power of God do you realize that God can do what he wants when he wants anytime he wants he is God the power of God has no limits the authority of God is is unmatched. Our God, the God that you know and serve, he answers to no one. There's nothing that our God cannot do and his power is not limited and you need to know, church, in 2023, God's power is not expired. The authority of God has not expired. There's no expiration date to that. It's not only good for a certain amount of time. No, his greatness is eternal. His power is eternal. His authority is eternal. His knowledge is eternal. His presence is eternal. What a display of God's power. Romans 1 verse 20 says his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. God's power has always been on display. It's always existed. It always will. There's never a point of end here. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32.17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power in your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. The power of God is without limits and God's power does not expire. I remember about 15 years ago, I went with my dad uh, to this um, 
power lifting and kind of like bodybuilding thing uh, where a lot of the Mr. Olympias that were these bodybuilders, big guys were there and they were just uh, advertising supplements and things like that. I remember I went and I don't know if you know who this is, but a man named Ronnie Coleman was Mr. Olympia many times, Mr. Olympia. Guy looked almost fake how big he was, his muscles. I mean, just ridiculous. He's like a tank, but so cut up, just massive guy. And I remember going 15 years ago to that and got a picture of him off in the distance as he was signing things for people at his stand. And just like looking at how massive that guy was. His arms were enormous. He just looked like a a tank. And whenever he would walk, like he really couldn't even walk normal because his legs were so muscular. And he kind of had to like walk like this. This is how I walk around the house. But he... He had to walk like that whenever he walked because his his legs were too big and his arms, he couldn't put his arms down. It looked like he had to always be like this. And and I remember just how massive he was. Well, here we are 15 years later. I just saw recently some pictures in a video of Ronnie Coleman, and and he can barely walk. Um, He's almost in a a, a state where he... His, his knees are shot from all the heavy lifting he did. And, and I think the one thing even talked about how he, he used to use a wheelchair a lot of times to get around because he's, his strength is just not what it was. And he still looks pretty big up top, but his, his, his arms are pretty big. But he just is a, just a fraction of what he once was. Uh, age has caught up with him, and his muscles have, have caught up with him, and his joints and bones have begun to break down from all the heaviness of the weight that he was doing and everything that he was happening. And you look at it, and I looked at it, and I thought the same thing, the same same reaction you had was my reaction when you all kind of sighed like, oh, like when you don't even know this guy and you care for him that much that you would sigh like that because you know what that's like when you think of that happening, right? Do you understand that is never the case with the God that we serve? There are no, do you remember the greatness of God when God used to? It's do you remember the greatness of God and know the greatness of God even today? There is no the good times with God or the times that God was able to. He is still able to and he still does far abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even imagine. The power of God is without limits and it does not expire. Just as God was with Elijah He would be with Elisha. God was faithful with Elijah and he would be faithful with Elisha. Elisha would perform twice as many recorded miracles as Elijah, that great prophet of God, through the power of God. God would be faithful in the year that was to come as he was in the year that was past. Now I want you to look back at these verses because Hollywood could not write a better ending and script to this section of scripture. Okay, I want you to picture this with me. Elijah, going to be taken up into heaven. Elisha, his protege, following in his footsteps. God has already confirmed that this is going to happen. Elisha asks of Elijah, give me a double portion of your spirit. I want to be able to continue in the same power and with the same authority doing this same work. I want your power to be on my life. I want to be a prophet of God that honors God and proclaims with boldness what God's word is. And, and Elijah then right in the presence of Elisha, Right after performing this last miracle that Elisha would witness, when Elijah, you remember, takes off his cloak, strikes the Jordan, goes walking on dry ground, Elisha witnesses this. I want a double portion. Elijah gets taken up, and Elisha's left there. Elijah's gone. Elijah's gone. Elijah's left. Look at verses 13 and 14. Elisha then takes up the cloak of Elijah 
that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now stop and look up here for a minute because this is incredible. So Elijah gets taken up in this whirlwind, these chariots of fire. And again, picture this is like a movie that you watch, like a true story. All that we've led up to this point, this scene, Elijah's in the chariot of fire with the horses of fire, a whirlwind's there, the storm. He's taken up, and as he's taken up, what falls to the ground? His cloak, his garment, falls to the ground. And so just picture this scene. <laughs> they're there, there. Elijah's left alone. Elijah's cloak's there. We, we're told that Elisha takes off his own cloak, rips it in two. And it says in verse 13, he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. He went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Elijah, with Elijah's cloak, goes back to the Jordan and stands on the bank of the Jordan. And in a script that Hollywood couldn't write better, it says he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. He struck the water with that same cloak. And he said, where is the Lord? the God of Elijah. And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elijah went over. I mean, I have goosebumps right now. Could anyone but God write a better ending to that? This again was confirmation in the life of Elisha that God was with him that the power of God would be with him and that the same God that empowered Elijah to serve and do miraculous things is the same God that would empower Elisha to do those same things. Church, I want to encourage you with something this morning, this third resolution, if you will. God's power will not diminish in the year ahead. So depend on him. Depend on him. In the areas that you might be quick to not depend on him, but to look to yourself or to look to others. Depend on him. Trust him. Serve him. Depend on him. Be more specific with your own life in the year that is to come in those areas. Trust him. Serve him. Depend on him. And watch our God the one true living God, show up time and time and time again for his glory. New year, same God, same God. Let's go in his power. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you have done in the past. And God, your promises of what you'll continue to do in the years to come. Lord, I ask that you would help us all who are without you lost, Lord, without you incapable of doing anything to serve you, but through you more than able, through the power that you give to serve you and live rightly for you. I ask that you would help us to trust you, God, in the areas that we might fail to trust you in. God, I ask that you would help us to serve you in the areas that we might be hesitant to serve, even when we know you're desirous of that. Father, I ask that you would help us all to depend on you, specifically in those areas where we can tend to be self-dependent or dependent upon others or dependent upon other things, that we would be fully dependent on you because we know you care for us and you are more than able, Lord, to accomplish what your will is. So I ask that in this year, this year that is to come, we would be faithfully 
trusting you, serving you, and depending on you so that you might receive all glory and all honor. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.